This form of public address is called a sermon. And it is a different kind of presentation than most speeches because it has as its purpose bringing Christ to people and it is based upon the teachings of the scripture. As such, it involves all of life and living. And so there are times when the preacher must address some very practical subjects, things that infringe on the freedom of our Christian life and detract from our witness and the ability to live freely in the presence of the God we confess. One of the hazards of life is a lack of self-confidence. And it is found in all of us. I look at this wonderful congregation and see all of you you appear to be well-adjusted and healthy and emotionally secure without any problem of this nature. And yet when I get to know you as individuals or look into my own heart, I know that often we're like children in the dark. We are very self-conscious and uneasy and we find it difficult to be free in the expressions of our faith and the life we know we ought to live. There are situations that overwhelm us or that simply intimidate us. And we find it very difficult to be, to be confident as human beings, not only but also as Christians. And so I want to talk about this, for I believe there's a way out. There is such a thing as understanding and then conquering this lack of confidence. Many years ago, I placed on my bookshelf in my library a book by Fulton Sheen with the name The Art of Living. And I've long since forgotten what was in the book, but that title continues to intrigue me. And I've thought a bit about it through the years because living is an art, isn't it? The art forms are so varied. And in art, one never quite achieves what one sets out to do. How often the poem is rewritten, or the novel is recast. How often the canvas is destroyed, or one needs to refashion the sculpture. How often sermon notes are thrown away because we need to begin again. Any art form never has it all quite right. There's always something that we do in life that could be done better. And in all of your relationships, in whatever your business or profession may be, 
It makes no difference whether you're a tradesman or what you are. There's always a better way. It could have been handled in another manner. And we never quite make it. And sometimes we miss the mark by a long way. Very often these are repetitious failures. And we can become discouraged and wonder why we should continue to try. Since living is an art form, there are many ways to do things as well. In architecture, for example, there's the traditional and the ancient. There's architecture of various areas of the world, and there's contemporary and modern. Is one any better than the other? Not necessarily. And the same with poetry and painting. And with one's life, one soon begins to understand that life is never precisely duplicated. That isn't to say that there is no basic truths by which life should be lived. Those principles are unchanging, but the expression of those principles has an infinite number of variations. So when Peter went to Jesus toward the end of Jesus' life here on earth and said, what about John? Why are you telling me all about me? Is he going to suffer the same things? Jesus said, mind your own affairs. This is for you, Peter. And if living is indeed an art, then we can mimic no one and we should not be a carbon copy, but we ought to struggle to, to arrive at what we have to give in the best way possible, even though we know in advance that we will not get it right. There will always be a better way. And how critical and how hard we are on ourselves many times as we repeatedly fail to measure up to our own expectations. And so through the years, people have wondered about themselves. Why the failures? Why the insecurity? And very often a loss of confidence to go on living. The Old Testament, there's recorded a story of a man who, who followed the Lord, and as a godly saint of God, he became discouraged. And in the 15th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, he pours his heart out, and he said, God, where are you? He said, literally, you have failed me. Your help is as uncertain as a seasoned mountain brook. It's either a flood water or it's bone dry. It seemed to this old godly saint that when it was springtime there was too much water and when it was summertime and there was a drought, the brook was dry. Never enough at the right place and the right time. 
And he blamed God for this and wondered why he should follow him any longer. Did you ever feel that way? You try as a Christian to be the best person. You pray regularly. You try to learn his word, but things just do not seem to come together. Yet you want to be confident in living to tomorrow. Have faith that it'll be a better day. To know that God will continue to lead you. What do you do, do about it? Sometimes we retreat and our faith crumbles and we feel dreadfully alone. How can we rebuild this self-confidence? Our text this morning is found in Philippians chapter 3, the 12th verse, where Paul writes, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. And there's a couple of helpful thoughts here. For that book of Philippians is one of those practical books that deals with just such things as confidence. This particular chapter begins with false confidence. Paul analyzes this. Then he goes on to say, but look, I need to press on to lay hold of the very things for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. And I believe we need to start in the first place and think about who it is that laid hold of us. Jesus Christ, great teacher, wonderful precepts. You live by them and life will be right. But is that what you know Jesus for? Is he primarily one that came to reveal to us some moral, ethical principles? No far more than that, we learned that Jesus is with us. He just wasn't with us, and he just hasn't left us some wisdom literature. No, he is with us because he is the resurrected Lord. Paul wants to know the power of that resurrection. And you know it through the one who lives. John says of Jesus in his first chapter of the gospel, in him all things were made and nothing was made that has been made. He is the creator, incarnate, God with us. And Paul writes to the Colossians that what is more, he not only created all things, but in him all things hold together. He is the one who makes things fit together in this universe. He is behind those laws that the sciences are discovering. And they are consistent laws, so consistent that we can go to the ends of the universe and we never get beyond the bounds of that one creator God, Jesus Christ. And we also learn that he is the one who calls us as individuals and equips us and gifts us to do with our lives as he wants us to do. But he's the one 
that lays hold of us. The first thing we need to do if we're to regain our sense of confidence in life, or if we live it, it is because we have first of all placed our eyes on the one who has called us, who has laid hold of us. For you'll never defeat your lack of confidence by turning inward and trying to find strength in yourself. Old Jeremiah found this out long ago. Complaining to God, God said to him, Quit your foolish talk. It's nonsense. Don't you understand that I am with you? I, the Lord, the Creator, the one who is busy in this world assuring you that things will ultimately work together for good, I am with you. There are those who discovered this. Remember that young man who lived so long ago? His name was Joseph. He had ten older brothers who despised him because he was the spoiled kid in the family. When they had an opportunity, they sold him to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And the captain of the guard of Pharaoh bought him. He ran afoul of the wife of Potiphar, the captain, and he was put into prison. And there he met the baker of Pharaoh's kitchens. And the baker had a dream and he interpreted the dream for him. The baker went back to Pharaoh's palace to serve Pharaoh. And one night, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. And the baker remembered Joseph, who was called. And he did such a remarkable job that Pharaoh made him prime minister over the whole country. And then in time of famine, his brothers came and bowed before him, not recognizing their brother, and asked for grain so their family could survive. And when they discovered that this was their brother, they feared that he would retaliate. But Joseph said to them, if you hadn't sold me to the Ishmaelites who sold me to Potiphar, if I hadn't gone to prison, I wouldn't have known the baker who went back to the kitchens of Pharaoh. I'd never have met Pharaoh, and I wouldn't have become prime minister, and I couldn't rescue my people today in this time of famine. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And it gives you a confidence, doesn't it, that someone so much greater than we are who created all things in the vastness of the universe, is also busy in this world. He became incarnate. God so loved us and so loved his world. And so he comes to us and he says, I've, I've laid hold of you. And the apostle says, and I want to press on to lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of by Jesus Christ. And that gave him confidence. The second thing I want you to remember is that 
he said, I've been laid hold of by Jesus Christ as an individual. Every single person has his or her own relationship to Christ. No one can do it for you. Our confidence is rooted in the fact that this is not our choice. What we have by way of our spiritual gifts or our talents and abilities is a gift of God. We did not conjure up our brain or our capacities. It was someone who gave it to us and we can all say, but by the grace of God, as we look at the people who live in Haiti or in Somalia or in Bosnia, but for the grace of God, he reached out to you and to me. And if you read Romans 12 very carefully, you'll notice that we have specific gifts and we need to reach for those things that were given to us to fulfill their purposes. And we can have confidence that when we do, he is with us. He will support us, he'll strengthen us, and he'll guide us. And so in the fourth chapter of this book of Philippians, Paul concludes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's Christ who lives within him that strengthens him to his task. Jesus is the center. And if you find him, you will discover that what really has happened is he has found you and equipped you. And then you walk in his presence with him. The goal is to lay hold of that for which you have been laid hold and the prize of it all is to walk with him day by day. And that settles us in our confidence we're living. Received a wonderful letter this week from one of our former members. She writes, Dear Reverend E. Kreider, thank you for all you've done for me. And she tells about how she was helped through the, the death of her husband and then took on his business responsibilities. She comments, that we've done a great job of training men and women to be disciples of Jesus, for they respond and act like he would have them act in so many cases. And then she talks about how practical it was when she discovered Christ to see how this relates. And she said, I'm really pleased with the results of working with my employees through many difficult situations. To bring Christ, Christ's love to them without preaching. And when I left, that was their final word to me. Thank you for helping me spiritually. Without the training I received at Christ's church, I would probably have thrown in the towel. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? She found Jesus at the center of life. 
and it penetrated all she did in her business, which tripled in a few years as she led her employees. And when she turned it over to them in the end, they were thankful for what? Her, her spiritual guidance, the confidence she had not to throw in the towel. There are hopeless, there are no hopeless situations in life. There are only hopeless people. And people's attitudes toward what is happening to them comes down to trusting. There's a third thing I press on. I'm going to collect all of my assets and all of my abilities, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to give it all I can give it, for this is life. I won't even consider anything less than living, no matter how black the future becomes. Because I am a child of God whose life has been touched and is being used with that confidence I'll continue. I'll learn in failure. I'll master myself with disciplines. I'll keep my perspective. I'll not let my feelings and experiences ruin my perception of truth. But I'll temper all the ways that I feel by continuing to press on to realize the reason why Jesus Christ laid hold of me. And that's not always easy to see as we go through life. The day-to-day -day experiences can be very disarming and very discouraging. From St. Aldate's Rector, Oxford, England, comes the story of the nurse who felt called to be a missionary to Africa during the closing days of World War II. She was very much afraid of the water and trembled when she thought of boarding a ship and sailing to a distant port, but she did. And she prayed fervently for calm, quiet weather. Well, they no more than got out of Southampton and the wind began to blow and the waves kicked up and it turned into a dark, dark voyage, day after day, tossed about by these wild seas. And she kept praying and she talked to the captain about what could be done and he tried to calm her all to no avail. Well, when they wound up at their port, the sun broke through and everything looked beautiful and the captain was there and said to her, I wish you Godspeed on your way. And she said, well, captain, I don't know whether I should be here in Africa or not. I thought God called me here, but I prayed and prayed for a calm voyage because I'm so afraid of the sea. And look what happened. The captain said to her, well, maybe your prayers weren't answered, but mine were. 
I was praying that the storm would continue. And he explained to her that there was a U-boat tracking them, and the only way they could avoid it was by the wildness of the seas. And then he said to her, God wants you in Africa all right. It's just that the way of getting you here was safer than the way you would have chosen. Life is like that, isn't it? We don't understand. We lose our confidence. We wonder why we're where we are as we are intimidated or overwhelmed. And Paul says, but I'll press on so that I can lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Remember who it is that lays hold of you. And remember that's a very personal thing. And then press on with great confidence that the God who laid hold of you will also perfect that work which he has begun in you. And one day you'll no longer see through the glass darkly but you will see face to face. What we need to live in this world is confidence. And we are resourced by Jesus. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and for the assurance of your presence and the call that is ours. Help us to be confident in you and to know that you will be with us now and always. And so may your spirit prevail in our lives and may all the intimidating things of this world fade into the background as we find our confidence in our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.